will just begin. You can just start the stream whenever. Okay, it is uh, Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. Brothers and sisters, welcome to church. Welcome to Sheepgate Fellowship Sunday service. Before we begin, uh, let me remind you of our mission statement. We exist to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to love God, to love neighbor, to worship God, to enjoy him forever. Um, as we come together and gather our hearts uh, for worship of our Lord, I'd like to read to you from Proverbs 14 as a call to worship. Let me read uh, the first few verses of this proverb. It reads, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord. But he who is devious in his ways despises him. And the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back. But the lips of the wise will protect them. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean. But much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. A trustworthy witness will not lie. A false witness utters lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness is of fools is deceit. It's a great reminder for us all, um, just of the importance of understanding. We could see ourselves as being intellectual, intelligent, smart, um, trying to pursue the right things. Uh, but the one who fears the Lord in uprightness is truly the one uh, who is most wise. And so, although we put our own definition into that term, uh, the true definition given to us is, of course, the one who uh, is upright and fears the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, can we just take a moment to pray? silently in our own hearts as we come before the Lord that uprightness and fear of the Lord will be upon us that we would stand before him in humility not in pride not in arrogance but in honesty about who we are before him as ones who are truly uh, not right and at times so unfearful of the Lord let's pray together as we come before your attention to our Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, we're going to question 64 on the heels of 63, which asked, of course, what is required in, or what is stated in the fifth commandment. Uh, today, our question is what is required in the fifth commandment. So we read the content of the fifth commandment. We now look to uh, what is required in what is told to us in this fifth commandment. The answer reads, the fifth commandment requires the preserving, the honor, and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. 
course, we looked at the fifth commandment, honoring thy father, thy mother. Uh, but here we see uh, almost an absence of language of uh, specificity to our relation to our parental, uh, like our parents, our earthly parents, right? So we see here a requiring of the preserving the honor that is given to us by God, the performing of duties in the role given as children, belonging to everyone in their several places and relations. So it's not limited to that relation, but to many other as superiors, inferiors, or equals, right? So whether it be to our authorities, whether it be to our equals, or in some sense our inferiors, we are to take that as an honor as an opportunity to preserve the honor that God has given us uh, to fulfill our duties uh, in a godly manner in whatever relation on earth we find ourselves in right and so uh, I think this is really important I think it's a breakdown of that fifth commandment that many uh, do not really comprehend or understand uh, so we'll continue to build on our understanding next week when we look at the 65th question which asks what is the what is forbidden in this fifth commandment right so this is what's required next week we'll look at what's forbidden on that note let me pray for us as we go into a time of song dear heavenly father we thank you so much for first and foremost this beautiful day uh thank you for the sun its heat and uh your provision over our lives consistently and constantly even in times where lord father we feel like we have not much and we have much loss uh, there is still great provision to have a life to live uh, on this earth uh, to have um, as you've honored us with like relations uh, whether it be to superiors and authorities whether it be to equals or to inferiors uh, that in whatever context and whatever relations we find ourselves in that there is opportunity to preserve the honor of duty as you've given us and so father i ask and i hope uh, as we come before you this day um, that a duty we hope to fulfill this time is to come before you in humility seeking the truth of your word and seeking to gather our hearts in unity in worship of our heavenly god we thank you so much we honor you pray this in your name amen our praise team will lead us in a time of song i uh-huh.
thank you today for, um, like Matt said, the beautiful, beautiful day we have. Um, just the things we take for granted, Lord. May we just uh, bring them up to you in adoration and thankfulness. And uh, may all these things bring glory back to you, God. Um, and just us knowing that you are a great provider, you are a great caretaker, and that you're sustaining us in every single way. Father, we thank you for just all the ways you've prepared for us to learn and to grow today. And may we just rely on you fully for that. And uh, we pray for the Spirit to um, work powerfully in us, to transform us, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. And uh, may it just eventually make its way to just the way um, we live our lives in obedience to you, Lord, to the gospel. And we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. God from whom blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. praise brothers and sisters thank you for being with us here this afternoon uh, wonderful wonderful day good to see you all hopefully all of you are doing well good to see Anna uh, out of her home uh, and Corey back from Los Angeles welcome back okay let's turn to scripture first Corinthians 16 we're looking at verses 5 to 12 today we looked at verses 1 to 4 last week on the issue of the collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem we talked about how we ought to have a solidarity in our attitude and in our practice towards uh, other churches, uh, especially when we have more resource, we are to take care of the weaker uh, members of the body uh, in whatever way and capacity possible. So on the heels of that lesson, we now turn to verses 5 to 12, 1 Corinthians 16. I'll read from my Bible and you can Follow along in yours. This is the word of God. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now, just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work, as I also am. So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren, and it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. Amen. The word of God. Um, Perhaps, again, um, this final chapter, many of these verses are not going to seem uh, like they contain very intricate or detailed or uh, very deep uh, theological teaching. Uh, but I think there's still much to glean from what we read today. So we'll take a look after we pray. And uh, our Unreached People group of the day, they come from, again, the nation of India. 
They are called the Posse, uh, spelled P-A-S-I. And there are 5.8 million of these people. Again, none are Christian. They are mainly Hindu, uh, and they live in the northern, well, they're dispersed across the country, but mainly situated in the northern provinces of India. Uh, and so we'd like to pray for them. 5.8 million of these people. It's a huge population of people who do not know Christ. So we're praying for the Posse of India. Globally today, of course, um, there's much to pray for, but uh, the war continues in Ukraine. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that war has not ended. Um, and it continues to be um, devastating in terms of the lives lost. Um, if I'm, I don't know how many of you like kind of do weekly or daily checkups on news and what's going on and situation that's escalating. I know when the war first started, it was like, oh my goodness, a war and like gas prices are rising and all these things and people were panicking and then things settled down and then we tend to forget, right? And we tend to disregard. Um, I actually had an opportunity recently to connect with a church that um, is supporting some of the Ukrainian refugees that are coming over to Canada. Um, and I've done asked in what ways our church can maybe get involved. So I'm putting together a little proposal for you as well as the CAM, uh, maybe to uh, either financially or in other ways uh, support a family or two that are coming over here. I've lost literally everything um, and have to kind of just restart, right? Reboot their entire lives in a foreign nation. So uh, it's, a big, it's a big thing and uh, it continues to be a cause of concern and a prayer. Uh, so if you have opportunity this week, take some time to pray for Ukrainians, especially the church in Ukraine, um, the devastating uh, situation that they're dealing with. So let's, let's pray for them today. I think it's appropriate that we remind ourselves to pray for our brothers and sisters over there. So on that note, let me pray and we'll begin. Father God, we thank you this day. As we come before you to read from 1 Corinthians 16, 5 to 12, we ask, O oh Lord, that this, um, that this word, this text would be uh, powerful to us as it is each week. What Paul has penned for the Corinthians, um, we ask that the Spirit uh, would help us uh, to see in, with clarity, uh, with, to be able to see um, the truth contained within that will help to shape and mold our lives in Christ-likeness. We ask, O oh Lord, for um, that to occur now as we read and study this text. Father, we also pray for the posse of India, and we pray, Lord God, for their salvation. They know not, of course, the gospel or Christ, and we ask that uh, that, that news, that good news of Jesus, would reach, to, would reach them in whatever means and methods you have prepared. We ask for men and women across the globe to have a heart to serve the nation of India and, and to help uh, establish churches and communities of faith among this people group as well as the nation abroad. And we ask, oh God, that you would be gracious enough um, to save many of them. Father, we ask, O oh Lord, of course, for uh, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who are suffering as a result of this war, men, women who are losing, uh, family members and dear loved ones, having to relocate thousands of Ukrainians across the world, many coming to Canada and finding refuge and home here. We ask for uh, a good and safe settling down of these people in their new homes. And the communities of faith uh, would be able to, um, as the body of Christ, reach out to them and assist them in whatever means possible in good Christian hospitality. 
So we ask, O oh Lord, for the ceasing of the war, if it be your will. We ask that uh, it would be soon, for we do not desire and we do not uh, find any joy in seeing lives being lost. Thank you, Father. We pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 16, 5 to 12. The final chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians is certainly, it's a practical one, right? Last week was a, quite a practical lesson, I think, and I think this week it continues to be the case. In the opening verses, Paul addresses the matter of collections and offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem, demonstrating Paul's remembrance of a promise he made, of course, to his apostolic brothers right, uh, back in Jerusalem when they first commissioned him out on his missional journey. Paul's solidarity with his brothers uh, was shown and demonstrated, also re-emphasizing the unity of the apostles, even amidst the Corinthian criticism of Paul and the contrasting of him against other teachers, such as Apollos and Peter. Now, if the opening verses taught us to remember our solidarity in Christ, the things that unites us the most, despite the differences that exist within us, then the rest of this chapter, and specifically what we have read today, is certainly an even more explicit mention and demonstration and reminder of this truth of solidarity. Reflecting on this passage and studying its content revealed to me this week a very powerful truth. Paul was such a loving pastor and brother to his flock. Now, Some have argued that Paul was somewhat irresponsible or at least haste in his missions, that he was too gung-ho, if you will, and impatient in establishing churches and then quickly proceeding to the next destination without much follow-up or, you know, firm sort of foundational pastoring of those churches. An all-too-familiar symptom of modern missional efforts, if you will, right? Today we are taught, like, to share the gospel and to preach the gospel, but that follow-up is really important too, right? So some have accused Paul and some have a unfortunate understanding of the Pauline or the Paul, uh, the Paul mission, missional efforts as being just go to city, establish church, leave, send Timothy, go to city, establish church, leave, and send Timothy, right? That's typically how people view Paul's mission, uh, mission trips, but it's really not how they occurred. And I mean, look at these, all these letters he wrote to them, right? He's clearly in communication, and he's concerned, and he's learning. The women who are in the women's group studying Galatians you know how much he cares for that church, right? He just absolutely adores them, and he and he's so excited to, uh, or he's concerned with, of course, their deviation from the gospel. But he's also really, really um, loving towards them. But yes, this type of missional work to go, to establish, and then have no long-term follow-up is an all-too-familiar symptom of modern missional efforts. But when you carefully dissect Paul's mission trips and his time spent in different cities, you will quickly find Paul cared to stay and to remain among the churches that he's, he helped to start. He loved to return to them as well, to see their growth. There are churches he didn't establish that he longed to, to see, right? To go and see how they're doing. There's a fine balance that is shown to us in the text today. A balance to plan and strategize, to think through, to discern wisely, but also to balance that and to remember that no man-made strategy or agenda supersedes God's providence. The language of Paul present here in this text is that he has a desire, he has a plan in mind, but it will always be dependent 
on the Lord willing. What an example for churches and pastors today to follow. So let's take a closer look at the text and then we'll make a couple concluding points. So I just have three points today. The first is the longest, the latter two quite short. The first point is plan but trust. Right? Pretty self-explanatory, but we're going to be looking at verses 5 to 7 for that. And then we'll be looking at doors over adversaries in verses 8 to 9. And then finally we'll conclude with a quick reflection on companions in the gospel, verses 10 to 12. So the first point, plan but trust. First thing we read here is Paul's intended purpose in verses 5 to 7 to visit the Corinthians. He expressly, he just explicitly mentions that. I will come to you after I go through this. So I'm, he has a longing to be there. He's not saying, oh, I'll consider it, right? Uh, you know, maybe if you guys are a little bit nicer to me, I may, I may want to visit you, right? No, he definitely intends to visit them. And there is an intended purpose and a desire to do so. And he details that his journey will have him pass through Macedonia. Now, if you're not familiar with how this, the map works, right? If you're not familiar with this region of Earth, uh, I would, you know, implore you to maybe Google that and have an idea. Even now, if you want to just quickly Google like the map, biblical Macedonia, and you can kind of see what that journey might look like from Ephesus, which is modern day. Like Ephesus still exists. By the way, this is, uh, uh, I'm just going to promote it now. But next year, you know, you could be in Ephesus, right? If we go to uh, Turkey together, right? Turkey together. Uh, that would be fantastic to have you there. I've been to Ephesus three times now. It's amazing right so let's see there no shame in promoting that um but yeah that he's passing he's in ephesus and then he's going to be passing through macedonia which will lead him north around the sea and then into greece well modern day greece and then into uh where corinth would be uh, at that time and even today so we know from second corinthians chapter one that these plans grew to include two visits two desired visits once before his visit to Macedonia, so perhaps maybe taking a boat across and then taking it back and then going through Macedonia and then after his journey to Macedonia. So he actually adds one more trip that he wanted to make. Macedonia is where we find the churches of Thessalonica and Philippi. And then, of course, in the epistle to the Philippians, we are alerted by Paul to the reality of some great threat and opposition mentioned in the third and fourth chapters of that epistle. Uh, listen to the language of verse 6 in today's text, though, because although Paul makes clear his desire in verse 5 and plan to visit the Corinthians, uh, he is also aware of prudence needed on his end, and on the end of the Corinthians, to be present in the places of great need. So he uses that term, perhaps. He will certainly visit them. That outcome is surely his intention and his goal. But along the way through Macedonia, many things could change or alter that plan. He remains flexible. So in verse 6, Paul says that he will perhaps stay with them upon his arrival, Corinthians, and perhaps even a winter with them. Be about six months. Winter made it difficult to travel, so it makes sense and logistical sense for him to rest in a singular place. And he makes certain to them that they are not simply just a stop along the way. It's like, oh, I'll just, you know, swing by and say hello, right? That's not his intention. But he wishes to remain with them for some time. It's pastoral care in the time that he's there. We know that his initial visit to Corinth prior to his writing of this letter lasted up to 18 months. And so if this plan were to be followed, his total stay in Corinth during the span of his ministry would equate to up to two years minimum. But beyond these statistics and intentions, what lies for us in the text 
how can we read and hear the heart with which Paul wrote these things to the Corinthians? So started making some notes, looking at some commentaries, <clears throat> and I put together four things that I think we can see in these first three verses. So I'll draw your attention firstly to the pastoral heart of Paul towards the flock in Corinth that God has gifted him. You can see the desire in him to want to be with those he has connection with and with those to whom he has a parental attitude, if you will. He takes responsibility for those he loves. He cares for their spiritual well-being. And so he's concerned to be amongst them and with them and to remain with them, to spend time with them. I, I, spend, so, I spend a lot of time like each month just networking with different pastors uh, across the city. And uh, I'm really shocked at how many pastors tell me like what their like sort of weekly schedule is on a Sunday. They'll preach. They'll have fellowship like the lunch fellowship or the meal fellowship following service or coffee, if you will. And then they'll go home and there's just like no other thing. And they'll have like time to time, uh, if required by their church, a visitation, etc. Right. Uh, and then I tell them my schedule. Uh, and I basically tell them like, I'm kind of locked in the whole day. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of a 12 hour shift, right? Uh, every Sunday. And the question I'm always asked is, isn't that exhausting? Like, don't you want to go home and rest? I go, yeah, a part of me wants to do that. But a greater part of me would rather be with the people of God. A greater part of me, and I resonate with Paul in this, is to remain with the people of God, to care for them. This is, um, I think, really like glowing to me in the text when I read something like this. Perhaps because I am a pastor myself, reading this, I hear his heart, and I would hope the Corinthians would have been able to detect that as well. I want to draw your attention to Galatians 4, 19 to 20. I don't know if the women got here yet. But in 4.19.20, Paul writes, My children, he addresses the Galatians as my children. Now, of course, they're not his biological children, right? He didn't have thousands of children in Galatia, right? <laughs> like, he's, this is like a spiritual children language, right? With whom I am again in labor. First of all, he's a dude, right? He's, he's never been in labor. And... Some women might find it a little offensive that Paul is equating the pain that he's going through uh, in his strife with the Galatians as, as being in labor again, right? Is with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Now, none of you, I don't think, have ever been in labor. Many of you, if not all of, all of the women here, may hope to, and I hope you do, to be in labor one day, to bear a child, like to give birth to a child. And when you do, I always, I always ask my grandmother and my mother, like, what's that like? And, um, and my friends, my peers, who now are parents, there is this incredible bond and connection that mother and child have. The father and child, uh, that it's absent in that relationship. Like there's a uniqueness to that bond because of that laboring process right like there is just something unique in that that this came out of you right in great pain 
and suffering, right? And this immense joy is birthed out of this immense amount of pain, right? So that's, I think, what Paul is talking about, that out of incredible pain and suffering, we've established this church and are establishing this church. And here you are, my children, my beloved. I hope to see Christ formed in you. And then he continues, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone. Now, if you've never read Galatians, Paul is quite angry in that letter. For I am perplexed about you. I feel like he's going through, like, uh, his children, if you will, or, like, going through, like, puberty. <laughs> and it's just, like, tension, right? It's like, you know? It's, the language is very uh, powerful that Paul uses in describing his relation to the churches that he has helped to establish. The bond he has with these people. Brothers and sisters, one day I hope you will experience this, is that um, you will share the gospel with someone who's a non-Christian and that they will come to know, believe, and follow Christ. My hope is you will be able to see them as Paul sees the Galatians, to see them as Paul sees the Corinthians. As like a spiritual child that you long to see them formed in Christ. As much as I long and hope for the day that you will physically give birth to children and establish beautiful godly families, I also hope that you will, in a sense, establish spiritual families as you witness Christ to those who do not know him. If you have yet to experience this, the joy of seeing non-Christians come to know Christ, not as a result of your effort, but through as God works through you to bring that effort and the fruition of that uh, by His will and to see that happen, I really hope you will. Campus students, university students, do not waste your time in school. This is a great opportunity to share the gospel with your peers and colleagues in class, in group assignments, in different areas of your educational institutions. It's a lot harder when you're working and the company says you cannot, right? It's easier now, I'll tell you that. So when you're in, you know, UFT or Waterloo or wherever you are, share the gospel. Share it now. Second thing I'd like to note, also note this, the care in Paul's plan. He has an outline and general agenda set for his visits to different churches. Some might say he's like a J, right? If he had an MBTI. <laughs> he knows precisely where he wants to visit and has planned out a route or a timeline and a time frame to visit them. So he plans it out. He carefully constructs this plan to visit them. But also note this, that he does not make certain promises of the execution of that plan. There is one ultimate variable at play for Paul, one that we cannot forget. That ultimate variable is God's will his providence over these things lord willing he writes these things will happen paul concedes his plan to the lord he has a plan but he trusts in the lord and he follows him accordingly why might paul say this to the corinthians because there is need elsewhere as well 
that being that other churches are having difficulties of their own. But one in particular, the church of Ephesus, where Paul is currently situated, he will outline in verses 8 to 9, there's opportunity there. So as he's penning this, he's going, I'm going to visit, I want to visit, Lord willing, perhaps I will be with you a long time, but it's Lord willing, right? So I think it's healthy as Christians to have plans and to have uh, a general understanding of how and where and what to do in, in different facets and areas of our lives. Like, I don't think it's wise or good practice to not plan out your life to some degree, right? Some people are more detailed in that than others. But to have a general plan or a specific one, but to always concede that and yield it to the Lord as He wills. For He could at any moment say, You, 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 go to the Middle East and witness Christ. And we have to be ready to say, like, yes, Lord, I will go. Right? I mean, Paul experienced, of course, in his desire to uh, go one way to Asia, and then all of a sudden he's redirected by the Spirit to go the other. There are plans and strategies and things we put in place. And even as a church, we have a plan as a church. I've Some of you in my visitations, I've shared with you some of those plans. Those are Lord willing plans. It's up to him. Right? There's a there's an idea and discernment that we have, but it's God who will ultimately allow those things to occur and happen, if he wills. The last thing to note here is a subtle point, but one that's prolific, I think, to the message as a whole. Note verse six where it reads, So that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. So he gives you the reason that he wishes to remain with them, to see them and to remain with them for some time. So that you Corinthians may send me, Paul, on my way wherever I may go. Subtle. Perhaps you missed it. He is inviting the Corinthian church who is losing trust in Paul, who is criticizing him greatly, to be a part of his missional uh, ministry. As what? As a sender. As a faithful sender of this missionary. What a demonstration of the solidarity and unity that we have in the gospel, despite our differences. Point number two, doors over adversaries, verses eight to nine. Briefly, what we read here is a particular situation happening in Ephesus as Paul was writing. Ephesus was a hub city, if you will, for Paul strategically in Asia as it acted as a central geographical location uh, of strategy in reaching out to the cities in Asia. Paul notes that he will stay here until Pentecost, which would be 50 days after the Passover. Now, this is not the Pentecost of Acts 1, but it is a uh, it is just a remembrance, a day of remembering that uh, event. He also mentions a wide door for effective service, right? And as soon as, you, as soon as you read those words, I'm sure you kind of get the nuance of what he means. Wide door for effective service in Ephesus, which is the reason he wishes or he sees put the potential of having to stay there. And the reason he does not know for certain how long his stay in Ephesus will last. Although he hopes to see the Corinthians and eagerly soon, and although he plans to, in his following of the Lord's will, 
His posture is to remain in Ephesus for as long as this door remains open and allows. What Paul means is clear. There is gospel and witness opportunity in Ephesus that simply cannot be ignored. And so although he has a heart to be with the Corinthians, his concern is drawn to immediate opportunities of gospel labor. The other variable to the situation is the presence of many adversaries, which are not clearly known to us in detail as to who and what, but the danger was apparent. You can imagine the threat that existed at the time. So Paul is using his Christian prudence and his discernment of the Lord's will to gauge how long he will remain in Ephesus. Two points to this. It is comforting to know that the Christian's agenda while on earth is not to be prioritized with things that are temporal, but rather with things that have eternal value. But that no matter what we are doing, what we ought, or what we ought to eagerly seek out, from wherever we may be, what we ought to eagerly seek out, I should say, are wide doors that are open and that allow for gospel work to be done. We are not all frontier missionaries. That's not what I'm arguing. But we are all missionaries in the sense that we are to witness and share the gospel of Christ in a different situational context that we find our lives situated in. So may we, like Paul, I hope, be alert, firstly, to the opportunities that do open and exist in our lives. And I hope in your own hearts that you yearn and honestly yearn to serve the Lord when those opportunities arise. I think there's a lot of times where a door just swings open in your face and what consumes you is not an eagerness to now do the work of the Lord, even at the cost of your reputation or anything else that has to do with you. Because what we would rather do or what we rather focus on when those doors open is the fear and not fear of the Lord but the fear of man the fear of our livelihood the fear of variables that are truly temporal in comparison to the eternal things of the service of the Lord for the work of the gospel what I mean is this simply put when you're at work when you're at school when you're with friends if there is an opportunity to share and witness Christ faithfully in a wise manner, right? Then be ready to serve the Lord in those times. When we're not alert, when we're not ready, and those doors just swing wide open in our faces, we tend to run away. So as Christians, we ought to have this eagerness like Paul. I want to be with you, Corinthians, but man there's so much good being done here and I have to I have to faithfully be here for, for now there's so much to do in Corinth so much to do here as well right I remember going to uh, Arabia like the Arabian Peninsula for a mission trip and the missionary there had been there for at that time it was my first year university so nine years he was in the desert right guess how many people he shared the gospel to how many opportunities had actually you know arisen for him to do so three three people in nine years guess how many of them came to faith zero so think about it people are supporting you financially in prayer nine years your child he had two children plus a wife so wife has given up everything to be there children are being raised in a muslim country with no friends or no peers of 
you know, same religion or same belief system. Um, they're being like bullied in school because they're Christian and they're Asian. Like all of the sacrifice of comfort and just living like a normal life, so to speak, to witness Christ. And for nine years, you've dedicated your life to do this in the middle of nowhere, basically in the middle of desert, zero fruit. And he asked us this question. He said, is this a waste of my time? That stuck with me. Because he said confidently, not a single member of our family thinks we wasted the nine, last nine years of our lives. For when a door finally swings open widely, we will have established some type of soil in this land for the gospel to grow. It may not be in his lifetime. It may not be something he is able to physically witness him or his family. But he knows if he is faithful one day, perhaps that door will swing wide open. Missionaries who came to Korea, if they had just given up, they just say, oh, they're just savages. They're just these Buddhist savages. Right? They're just killing us. We don't even touch land and they're like shooting arrows at us, right? Like, seriously, have you been to the Christian missionary cemetery in Korea? It's littered. Littered with people from Europe and America. Some who never even set foot on land in Korea and were killed literally on the boats as they were coming to shore. Do you think as, as those arrows are flying at them that they're thinking about a community like this? It's extraordinary what faithfulness can do. I also appreciate in this reading here that the, the threat of danger and the threat of opposition and adversary are not to be avoided in the work for the Lord. See, Paul could have easily constructed a sentence like this. I am here in Ephesus. There are wide doors. There is great opportunity. Oh, but there's adversaries. I'll see you soon, Corinthians. <laughs> right? That's typically us. Right? It's like, oh, it's hard. I'm out. Oh, oh plane tickets a little expensive. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> right? We don't seek out threat and danger. I don't think we're like, I don't think it's noble, so to speak, to be like, what, where's the most dangerous place on earth? I'm going there to share the gospel. And then like, we just like mindlessly walk into North Korea and get shot by bullets, right? Like, I don't think that's wise either. But rather we gauge doors versus adversaries in order to determine the best course of action that will be most wise and best for God's glory and his mission. Plan, strategize, but trust in the Lord. Do wisely. Too many times our evangelism is sought to be done in comfort and not done despite the lack of it. So again, I shamelessly put a missions promo plug here next summer. Three weeks in Turkey, you're all welcome to join us. <laughs> right? 
Final point, companions in the gospel, verses 10 to 12. These last few verses remind us and indicate to us the unity that men and women of the gospel have in Christ. There may be differences and disagreements, certainly so, on details and the fringes of our faith, perhaps even differences that could cause some tension, but there's no division among those who are truly in Christ. Where the Corinthians saw reason to divide, to say they are of Peter or of Paul or of Apollos, Paul taught us, that all such men are of Christ. Followers of Christ are not divided by differences in personality, character, or even plan. They are marked by their unity. Paul is concerned that those who grew in distaste for him in Corinth would perhaps not receive Brother Timothy really well with greetings. So he urges them, please, don't be so harsh on my brother, that he is a true worker of and for the gospel, that he's not to be despised by them. Paul, in the spirit of unity, appeals to them and asks them also uh, to welcome Apollos to visit the Corinthians. He asks Apollos, in fact, to visit the Corinthians, perhaps to demonstrate that exact unity between Apollos and Paul. But he left it, of course, in his hands to decide whether or not to go now or not. Of course, he decides to go later. Paul is not a dictator demanding things of his fellow workers in Christ but seeking to work together in love and unity. There's a beautiful unity to the body of Christ as we have already learned in previous chapters. I hope and pray that this is a hallmark of the church that even the world may be able to see. Too many times, again, our division outshines our unity. Right? Too many arguments are known as to why churches divide not enough is spoken on what unites us in conclusion brothers and sisters typically what we get from pauline epistles are formal greetings in the beginning and then wrap up exhortations in the end many bible readers will overlook these texts as simply salutations and closing remarks this is not untrue to some degree the presence of these sentences in the scriptures should not provoke us to read more into them than they were intended However, Paul does tend to open and close his letters with theology. Elements of what contents can be found in the letters and in a text like today, we see a clear outline of a plan. But in that plan is the theological truth of God's providence, a reminder that we regularly need, and a pastoral heart. Hold me accountable, church, to have a heart like Paul, to want to be with you, to be among you despite you just kidding to have a plan and direction for our community to have care and concern and to want to yield to God in all things we also see his missionary heart to want to be where gospel work can be done effectively and the desire to labor for the Lord again a healthy reminder to us and we also see Paul's understanding and picture of the church as a unified body in Christ. Things we've already observed in the text that ought to be lacking in any division despite human differences. Paul reinforces brotherhood and sisterhood in the gospel. To be one, to be united, to work together for the Lord's sake and his glory. Again, another important and healthy reminder for our souls. So, brother and sister. You may not walk away today from this text and this sermon with profoundly new knowledge, but I hope these things would be 
engraved in you, that you would be matured in your understanding and practice as a Christ follower. I know we live in an internet generation, um, and so we typically go to Sundays and we look for provocation or we look for, you know, just mind-blowing lessons and teachings. Uh, it's like every time we go to church, we're seeking, like, a steak dinner, right? Sometimes we just need to sit down and eat our, you know, our home food and be reminded of what is consistently good in our lives. I think this is a really fantastic reminder of what is consistently good about God and following Christ in our lives faithfully. I hope you got that. I think it's really important, right? So sorry I didn't cook you a steak dinner today. But praise be to God for His reminders on this glorious, glorious day. Let's pray and reflect on what God has taught us. Then we'll go into a time of reflection. Jesus walked, so I shall walk above.
today and Pastor Max, Lord, we pray that what Pastor Max uh, preached today would uh, not just resonate in our hearts, but lead us to a growing love for you and people, uh, and more importantly, lead us to uh, repentance, Father. We thank you, Lord, uh, would you keep us safe and um, be with us uh, throughout the week. In Jesus' name we pray.
Okay, thank you, thank you. Welcome everyone. Uh, it's good to see you all on this wonderful, wonderful day. Hopefully you, had all, you all had a good week. It's obviously a little less hot than the week prior, so hopefully you're able to enjoy some of that beautiful summer weather. I wanna welcome all of you. If it's your first time, thank you for joining us. If not, thank you anyway. It's good to see some bodies back. Our offerings can be sent via e-transfer to sheepgatefellowship at gmail.com and or the old school way, basket. So uh, basket's there. Envelopes are just located um, at the entrance, just right in front of the mirror. Um, and if you could just make sure you write your legal name, make sure you get the tax receipt at the end of the year. Um, our Bible study will happen. Oh, sorry. All of our recordings can be found online video on youtube or podcast platform of your choice you can definitely listen including our june bible studies just started recording so uh some of you had requested that so definitely take a listen if you would if you're not able to come on thursdays but would still like to partake in some degree uh that's a one way that you can partake by the way thursday bible study fantastic larger group and it was very great to have uh great biblical discussion um bible study will today or continue on our Westminster Confession of Faith uh, we'll be going to 1.8 and today will be a little bit more group discussion oriented because uh, I think it's a very practical question Aaron has also been preparing a question for us for this whole week uh, and so he's eager to ask this question uh, I asked him to reserve it because it relates exactly to what 1.8 states uh, so I think it's gonna be fantastic um, we have a couple birthdays that were are belated but we'd like to celebrate not because you know we care about your birthday so much but because we love cake and so we bought a cake and uh, so Anna and Corey be celebrating your birthday that unfortunately you weren't able to one was in LA one was <laughs> COVID um, so uh, we are going to be able to celebrate that today your gifts however are delayed due to Amazon Prime's unfortunate delay of service uh, service uh, so it's on its way. Uh, I'll bring it next week, and I'll remind me to gift that to you because I left Jesse's uh, birthday card in my car for two months, forgetting about it every Sunday, and someone broke into my car and stole it. So, you know, God bless that guy who will be enjoying $30 of real fruit, but good for him. Um, anyways, uh, that is that. So birthdays, summer Bible study on Thursday evenings, 6.30 p.m., Till about 8 to 8.30, um, we'll be gathering here at church. All of you are welcome. Bring your Bibles. Um, and one thing we're talking about today is, of course, the different translations of Scripture. And it's fantastic. You get to see a little glimpse of that because every Thursday we go around reading the text and uh, everyone has like a slightly different <laughs> translation. It's fantastic to see that variance. Uh, and that is that. So Summer Bible Study, please join us. We'll be running that until the end of August. Okay. Uh, so on the Gospel of John. We have a softball game today at 7 p.m. If you'd like to join us, Centennial Park. Uh, who are we playing? Vaughn? Vaughn Church, the third Vaughn team. Um, we have a retreat coming up as well. Um, and the retreat is in uh, July, I forgot, last Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this month. Right? Am I wrong? That's correct. Yes. At Somang Prayer Garden. Um, we're going to need help with transportation as well as different areas of service. So whether it be cooking, I guess cleaning will all do together, but like cooking and or like any sort of prep, recreational stuff. Um, and then we'll have like uh, different like groups and discussions like that. So all of those things. But the main thing we're looking for right now, two things, 
registration. So if you're still on the fence, talk to someone and hopefully we can convince you to come. Uh, and two uh, is Andrew is collecting a survey on some of the themes and topics you might be interested in discussing at the retreat. Um, so it could be addressed perhaps in the sermon or it could be addressed uh, in some of our group discussion and Bible study that we'll be doing. So if you had like a burning thing, like, hey, I think our church ought to discuss this thing together, please share that with Andrew. It's very helpful. I know like you might think like, oh, what's what's my contribution? Like, you know, if I sh tell them, are they really going to address it? Please give it to us. We'd love to address as much as we can um, and try to help you guys. Because the purpose of the retreat is not just simply to have a social fun time for us to grow together in our knowledge of scripture and our love of God and love of community. So we'd love to see you there on that weekend uh, another element um, that I'd like to introduce maybe at the second half like starting this month and onward is I'd love to get maybe some testimony shared on Sundays um, and so I've asked a couple people you know who you are uh, to share some of your stories I, I had an opportunity to go to visitations and hear like literally everyone's like story of like how they came to faith and their church journeys and all these things um, and it was quite like eye-opening for me to hear the amazing things and so a couple people i thought would be really edifying for all of us to hear i've asked maybe them to prepare a short testimony that they could share on sundays and i'd love to uh, or i look forward to uh, having those people share those things with you so if you have something you'd like to share as well um let me know because i'd love to hear it by the way um we're going to be having a second half of the year visitation so if you're new to the church and you missed out on the first sort of wave of visitations in march april uh, i'll be having another wave of visitations in the second half of the year now some of you are going back to school which means you'll be like in different cities as long as it's drivable we'll be there right so we'll get there so like alex was asking me like would you come to kingston i'll be like i was like <laughs> yes <laughs> i was looking at gas prices and i was like yes right um but yeah we'll be there and uh we'd love to uh do that so that's that final announcement i have is something um that i will share with you unfortunately like the email was in korean so i'm just going to translate for you and then i'm going to translate the prayer topics of this letter and then share it with you just ask you not to share with anyone else it's not like super secret or anything but uh something really fantastic i actually forgot to text this to you earlier in the week I should have totally messed up because it ended yesterday. But uh, the missionary in Asia Minor, who we work with and we will be again going to visit next year, um, he took out for the first time in his entire like first time I've seen this in Asia Minor, like um, locals who have come to faith, many of whom came to faith in the last calendar year. Uh, sent to like they put together a mission team to go to a particular city in Asia Minor, like in Turkey, and they had like basically a mission trip, like a local mission trip, right? Kind of like how we go up to like uh, native missions and stuff. They did that uh, domestically within their country, and that's like crazy. Like this, we've never seen this. So five staff, so five like Christian missionaries, and six locals, team of eleven, uh, went out shared, shared uh, the gospel with the uh, local community. There are many, many uh, communities in Asia Minor that are um, basically become like hubs for refugees from Syria and, uh, and Iraq um, and 
parts of Iran as well. Um, and so they, the government of Turkey basically just puts them all in one place, gives them no passport, no real rights, no voting rights, nothing, no citizenship, and then they're just given up, like they're just given like a place to live with like no ability to work or move or grow or anything like that, right? Uh, and so these like hundreds upon thousands, like just kids are just like lying there and they have no hope, can't get education. Um, and so a lot of uh, missionaries in Turkey are reaching out to some of these communities to try and help them. The only way that they are able to uh, get an education, the adults are not so concerned about getting education. They're just like, you know, they've lived their life. But for their kids, they're really hopeful um, for any kind of sponsorship. So sponsorship is the only way that these kids can get an education and have any hope of a career and ultimately the citizenship, passport, ability to be mobile, right? So um, it is something I'm talking with them about. Maybe we can end up sponsoring a child or two. I know it's only one out of like 100,000, but it's like, it's something. And uh, you gotta see it for yourself. It's actually crazy. Like these kids, we one, one camp we ran it and we asked them to draw like what their dream, like their dream occupation would be. And they all just drew themselves because they had no dream. There was no hope for them to be anything else. So they're just drawing themselves, playing soccer. Like that's all they do all day, right? Uh, and there's no way for them to imagine anything else. Um, it's quite depressing, but it's also very important for us to be aware of, right? And uh, so this, our missionary was able to take out a group of locals who came to faith and uh, share the gospel in their native tongue to their native people. Um, how fantastic is that? Praise God for that. They did this uh, on June 29th to July 2nd, uh, and we were so excited to share that news with you. It's fantastic, very, very successful, but they're hoping to do it again. So that's what we can pray for. Long announcement, but I think well worth our time. Uh, on that note, Jess, you have the opportunity to do the offering prayer next week, so I'm looking for it. When did you do it? Fine. I'll let you guys know who it is. Anyways, let's rise. Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is. This day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, All right, thank you. Uh, we have a meal prepped. However, that room is boiling hot. So we're gonna eat here. So if we can get some people to help move tables and chairs, well, not chairs, but tables over here, we'll set up.